Welcome to the Sunbury Press Book Show on the BookSpeak Network. Sunbury Press publishes print, electronic, and audiobooks under a variety of imprints and categories available worldwide wherever books are sold. And now your host, the founder and CEO of Sunbury Press, Lawrence Knorr. We're at the Christian Baker Farm near historic Boiling Springs, Pennsylvania. My guest today is novelist James R. Dubbs. He's the author of Confessions of a Farmer's Market Romeo. The search for love is never out of season in Confessions of a Farmer's Market Romeo. Follow the misadventures of Jim, an unlikely Romeo, as he pursues complete unfetteredness. In eight binge-worthy episodes spanning two decades, Confessions will leave you laughing as Jim ponders life's eternal question, where does love go when it's gone? Sounds like a Johnny Cash song. Before finding success as a novelist, James R. Dubbs earned his living in a myriad of jobs, including factory worker, realtor, liquor store clerk, groundskeeper, and self-employed baker. His first novel, Life in the Lion's Mouth, appeared in 2016. When not writing, you'll find him listening to Led Zeppelin, practicing Taekwondo, or strumming his beloved Taylor six-string. Jim, Dubbs, welcome. It's good to be here. So, uh... A lot to talk about here. You know, when I see Confessions of a Farmer's Market Romeo, I immediately chuckle a little bit. And I imagine my own escapades in farmer's markets, usually to go buy some good Pennsylvania Dutch sausage or a sugar cookie or some chow chow or something like that. And uh, I thought, romance never really crosses my mind too much in farmer's markets. But maybe you could take us there. Why, Why this topic? My wife and I made uh, our living at farmers markets for 12 years, so when I was looking for a new a new book to write, it just seemed the perfect thing. And um, you know, you, you kind of make friends with everybody. And in the case of the book, um, the character's parents make their living at farmers markets too. So he's exposed to it from the time he's little. And when he's 12, he's helping his parents, and he sees um, a girl named Doris that he just falls in love with at first sight. So from there, I kind of got the idea that um, every couple of years I was going to revisit this kit. So the farmer's markets are kind of the background right. to the story. And since I made my living there, I know, you know, all kinds of the ins and outs of them and all the interesting things that happened. So it, it was just perfect for me. Yeah. Well, I, you know, and the other thing I should do for the listeners, because we have a lot of listeners from around the country and outside the country, too, if you drop in, I, I can tell by looking at our or maps of uh, where the listeners come from. But not everybody would know what a farmer's market is, at least in the Pennsylvania sense. And, and I know it seems like every town of any size has a has a farmer's market in Pennsylvania. But describe for us, what goes on in a farmer's market? What is a farmer's market in Pennsylvania? Well, the farmer's markets, the ones that we made our living at and t- the ones depicted in the story, are just like one-day events for a few hours, usually on a Saturday morning, and different vendors, produce vendors, baked goods, um, you know, flower vendors. Everybody comes out and sells directly to the customer. And we all set up tents, and um, it's it's just like a little a little market that kind of appears and, and then it's gone. You know, a few minutes after it closes. Yeah, I know some of them are are more permanent. Uh, yeah, you get you get ones that are in buildings, and you get huge ones that have hundreds of vendors, like in the big cities. Yeah. But around here in Gettysburg, and around here, there's maybe ten or twelve vendors at each, each market, and you get the same, you know, customers 
and they're really kind of cool little things. I mean, there's a lot of fun to hang out at. Well, definitely. I mean, this day and age of, you know, strip malls and, and, you know, national brand names and fast food and, you know, big grocery stores and so on and so forth. It's refreshing to go into a place that has the local culture, the local cuisine, if you could call it that. And uh, but I guess, you know, the question a lot of people are thinking, is this really a quote unquote farmer's market? Like back in the day, a lot of the people that were setting up these things were probably, you know, engaged in agriculture. And this this was their produce. This was the output of their farm. Um yeah, it's it's still like that. that yeah. That's exactly the type of markets we did, producer only. Um, if you didn't grow it, you didn't bring it. If you didn't bake it, like like ours, mm-hmm. um, you didn't bring it. Yeah, but I guess what I'm saying is, there's a there's it's more than just uh, your ears of corn and your uh, you know your tomatoes. It, the, you, this is also butchers. It's also bakers like yourself, and uh, so people who produce on their own. Uh, so these people that do they usually have um, shops of their own back back on the farm or closer to the farm, and then they set up once a week at the market. Um, yeah, it, you got to do it a lot of different angles um, if you're going to make a living at it. And some people are just kind of hobbyists; they're doing it just for you know a few extra dollars, and they got one little niche product, and you know they don't expect. And we made a living working just seven months out of the year. And then I would, luckily, in my case, I'd have five months a year to write novels. Wow. So, you know, it was a perfect thing for me. Yeah. So what what happened, if I may ask it? Did it, uh, it just didn't keep producing or you just got tired of it or? What? Well, we kind of aged out. Um, hmm. I'm 59 and it's, it's really hard work because if you are making your living seven months out of the year, you're working like 60, 70 hour weeks doing those things. Yeah, and um, it's very intense, and you're out in the heat for, you know, you might be on the blacktop 110 degrees for four hours one day, and it takes it out of you. And um, the economy was really good for farmers markets during the pandemic, because we were one of the places you could go, and people felt safe going because we were outside. Yeah, and um, you know, so that it really, our business really thrived the last couple of years, but. Um, we just kind of, it kind of, it's kind of a young person's game. So, yeah. you know, as my wife and I got older, we kind of made a decision to, to stop doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So you were a baker. Does that mean that all week you spent baking and then on Saturday morning you try to sell out of everything? We did, we did multiple markets. You can't make a living just doing one. So okay. we did some years we did five and we baked the order for the market. Um, so everything that we took to like a Saturday market, we baked on Friday mm-hmm. and I, that's why it would be like a 16 hour day. And then you got to get up and you know, it's hard to fall asleep after a 16 hour day. So you get up at, you know, five o'clock the next morning, go set up and, you know, you got to sell your stuff and yeah, you, you got to sell out if you're going to stay in business. Right. Right. Well, Jim, we're going to take a break. We've been talking to Jim Dubbs the author of Confessions of a Farmer's Market, Romeo. We've talked a lot about farmer's markets. We're going to get more into the Romeo when we get back. 
Sunbury Press Books brings the reader unique and independent works of fiction and non-fiction. Oxford Southern is our educational and academic imprint. Releases such as Philip Mosley's Telling of the Anthracite, Art a la Carte, a memoir of a wayfaring art teacher by Marianne Bickett, and Mildred Schindler Jansen's autobiography, Surviving Hitler, Evading Stalin. Click on the Oxford Southern link for more at sunburypress.com. I'm back with Jim Dubbs, the author of Confessions of a Farmer's Market, Romeo. And, you know, I've always been interested in the mechanisms of how those markets work. So so thank you for that. I didn't realize that uh, a lot of the vendors set up at multiple markets and are working so hard and traveling around so much. So I guess thank you for your hard work. My last question about that, before we get into your book, though, is what was your best-selling item? Uh, we were pretty much famous for our sticky buns um it was a recipe my dad had had worked on and around here in south central pennsylvania there's a camp called camp nawakwa and my dad was um the cook there over the summers and my family would live there and every wednesday was sticky bun day so when we first got into this child children had gone to camp nawakwa and they remembered the sticky buns and they'd be back every week for them Wow, sticky buns. Now you're making me hungry. <laughs> I love sticky <laughs> buns. Unfortunately, too many sticky buns, they, they really stick to you a little too much, if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Start to put on a little weight. But, uh, like, so what would you sell? By the tray, or you know, how, how were they? We'd, uh, sell them, you know, we'd sell them individually or mm-hmm. buy, like, a little nine-pack. Right. What could you get for a typical sticky bun, one one at a time? Uh, the, the singles we sold for... 350 I think. Okay. Yeah, so you're selling a lot of these to really accumulate uh, the funds to pay for the booth and the gas. Yeah, you get, yeah. you got to move through a lot of product um, to stay in business. Right, it really is a volume business. All right. Interesting. Well, so this novel sounds uh, somewhat biographical, autobiographical, in that you have these experiences yourself as a vendor, so you know the setting. Um, you met your wife you say, at one of these markets, which is interesting. You know, I, I met my wife in an interesting situation I won't go into. <laughs> it's not a farmer's market. It was a pizza shop. But, um, okay. you know, these things happen, and, uh, you know, you can't explain them, but they, they do. Um, so tell me, you know, the angle here, You this character, you say, like, every so often, there's another romantic interest in his life, or is this a continuation of the same romance in different time periods, or what's going on? Well, it's a different um, tilts, and by that I mean you know, when, when something changes dramatically and they have to figure out again who they are all over again and where they fit in life and everything like that. So um, when well, the story takes place at the farmer's markets, it's really more each chapter is about a, a moment in the, in the character whose name is Jim. Actually, it's Jim Dubs. I use my own name in it when his life um, changes. So like the first chapter is when he kind of comes out of his latency period and falls in love with a girl when he's 12 and um, his life changes. Because if you can remember back to when, you know, you first figured out about girls, I mean, I'm sure you're like me when you were young, you're, you know, just playing football and stuff like that. And all of a sudden around 10, 12, 13, you become aware of girls in a way you haven't before, and you really got to figure out who you are all over again. So each chapter in his life, and it's like when he's 12, 15, 18, 21, 24, 
is when he has a big major tilt and he's got to figure out again who he is. Very interesting. I, I think in my case, it started even younger than that, but <laughs> I won't go into that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if you think, if you think back what, what that moment's like when you first, it's, it's like being thrown into the deep end of a pool or oh. something and yep. you can't swim. I mean, everything changes and that's, what's interesting to write about, especially for young people, because those changes, you know, they, they may be painful, um, but they're always good usually. And they lend themselves to humor because I consider myself a, a humor writer. Yeah. And, um, you know, when you have changes at the end of your life, they're usually not good and they're kind of sad and, you know, nobody wants to read about that. Well, I, I kind of blame the fact that I'm not a major league baseball player on the, uh, the interesting girls in high school. <laughs> my, my coach <laughs> got distracted. Huh? My coach uh, says to me one day, "You know, Lawrence, you're you're a big guy. You could you could make it. You can hit. You can do this and that. And you know, you you could do it if you keep practicing." And well, then yeah. got a yeah. girlfriend. Next thing you know, I'm not trying as hard. And well, you know, here I am. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think we all got the same stories where we got kind of got sidetracked, and mm -hmm. that's what happens to the character in the book. So tell me, you know, you say this is this is more comedic. You know, what are some of the funny situations that that Jim Dubs, the fictional character, gets involved in? Just give us an example. Yeah, like like in chapter one, um, he he sees this girl, falls in love with her, like a lot of us did. He never speaks to her, um, kind of figures out a way to get her get near her. Um, He's his friend. He develops a friendship with her next door neighbor, kind of using the guy, but they become ultimately best friends. And um, he finds out that um, the girl Doris is being sent to fat camp because this book set in during that period was 1973 when this chapter takes place. And there were actually they were called fat camps and there were most of them were in New York. Fat and, camps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's um, where you would send a, a kid that's a little bit overweight, and they're kind of like a, a shameful part of our history now. Yeah. But they did exist, and I was able to find just a, a tiny bit of information on them, and pretty much everything I found through Google and everything wound up in the book, because there's not, you know, nobody wants to talk about it now. But um, he finds out she's going to fat camp, and he's a little husky so his parents will send him to the same camp that he thinks there he's going to have her all to himself and, you know, he'll be able to, um, with her because he, he's a little under the gun because they're going into junior high the next year. And he realizes she's new to town. And as soon as she's, um, in school that, you know, he's going to be up against all the, the cool guys and he's definitely not cool. So, um, you know, that, that's his one advantage, and he does it works. He gains 35 pounds, and he goes to that camp with her, and um, Chapter 2 is all about that. Mm -hmm. Well, let's just ask it. I don't, I don't want to spoil the whole story, but <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just stunned because, you know, I we're about the same age, and I don't remember hearing about such camps, but uh, yeah. I, can't, most, I can't. Most of them were in New York. Hmm. That's that's just so fascinating that there was such a thing. Were these like advertised, like in the back of magazines or on the radio or something? Send your kid to yeah. fat camp. <laughs> yeah, but they they didn't work because yeah, um, basically they just starved you to death, and then right. you know that's not solving anybody's problem. I mean, and the recidivism rate for the camps was you know 
it was all the same kids every year. You know, mm. So it's actually very sad when I, when you think about it. And obviously, they weren't going to the camp that your father was baking the sticky buns. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I did kind of base the camp just on my memories of that camp, you mm-hmm. know, the physical structure of it, because you know that's where I go in my mind. But um, yeah, it's more about. Um, the chapter where he does go to that camp is more about his relationship with his counselor uh, because he still has trouble, you know, getting to the girl, but he does eventually. But it's, it, it took a, when I was writing it, it kind of took a turn because I, I had to give him a counselor. So I wrote that in. And sometimes when you're writing um, characters just are so good and they become more interesting than what your original idea was. So you just kind of go, kind of go with it and, you know, let them shine. Yeah. yeah, very interesting. I I didn't expect to be talking about fat camps, but uh, fascinating. <laughs> anyway, Jim, we do need to take another break. We'll be right back. We're talking to Jim Dubbs, the author of Confessions of a Farmer's Market, Romeo. Listen for the Brown Posey Press podcast, available here on the BookSpeak Network. I'm Tori Gates, and my guests include fellow authors on our fiction imprint, but also other independent and self-published writers, poets, movers, and shakers in the literary world. Listen for current and previous shows here. The BookSpeak Network brings the story behind the stories and their creators here. I'm back with Jim Dubbs, the author of Confessions of a Farmer's Market, Rome. Uh, what you're working on? Uh, I know you had the book, prior book, Life in a Lion's Mouth, now you've got this Confessions of a Farmer's Market, Romeo. Are you working on anything beyond this? Uh, yeah, the next book is um, Life in the Lion's Mouth took place in the 60s, and Confessions of the Farmer's Market, Romeo, is kind of a boomer's book. that takes place in the 70s and early 80s in Gettysburg, where I grew up. And um, so the next one, I'm starting on the 90s. So if I live long enough and keep writing, I'll eventually catch up to the decade on that. Um so in the 90s, I went to college in Alaska, and that was 100 years after Soapy Smith was in Alaska in Skagway. And um, I don't know, have you heard of Soapy Smith? Do you know who that is? I, I do not, but Tor- Tori's nodding his head. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. Well, he's, he's like a really famous con artist. He was like one of the big con artists, um, words like the mark and Khan actually are from him. Okay. And he met his end in Skagway. He went in and took it over, basically, and he's a ruthless guy. And he took over Skagway and um, was killed like 100 years prior to when I was in college. So the new book is going to be two two different stories going on, switching out chapters. One chapter is about the 1990s in Alaska when I was there, and it's kind of about the artistic community because when I was in Alaska, I was in Juneau and it's a, it's a, it's a capital, but it feels like a really small town. I think the population is probably around 30,000 now. And I could write a story like in creative writing class and two or three weeks later, somebody would come up to me on the bus or on the street that I didn't know. And they would say, you know, I read your short story. You know, somebody had, copied it back then they you know xeroxed it right and it made its way around the community and it's just like really cool and so so that that part is going to be about artistic community in alaska 
and how things aren't quite really what they seem. And then it, it flips chapters with um, the Sophie Smith saga, and my main character's in there. And, you know, it's a con artist, so things aren't really what they seem there either. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be, they go back and forth between those two chapters, and they start um, influencing each other. You know, the events of one chapter influence the other. And at the end, there's, um, it's not like a Twilight Zone twist, but there's a twist that I guarantee you nobody will see coming. Okay. Very interesting. Yes. I, so Alaska, just some questions about that, because uh, it's one state I've never been to. But um, it gets dark there early and for long periods of time, does it not? Or Junio is, Juno, is it Juno? Junio? Uh, yeah. Yeah, where I was in Juno. Juno. Um, the darkest time was, it start getting light around 11 a.m. in the morning. And it would start being, you know, twilight by about 3 p.m. Wow. So that that was the worst time. You had about four hours. But your body gets into a rhythm of it. And I had, I think I had a 7 a.m. anthropology class in Alaska. I mean, there's never, say, 7 a.m. classes in college. But I had one for whatever reason. So um, it's kind of weird. You get up, you know, you walk from the dorms, which is like two miles to the college campus seven o'clock it's dark you come out of class and it's still dark for like another three hours and then you get you know four hours of kind of twilighty you never get yeah. like full full-blown sunlight yeah like noon <laughs> in that place yeah. It, yeah. basically the sun's not even over the horizon right it's just the highest the, the most twilight yeah yeah it's just barely coming up over the horizon like you said wow I can't. I can't imagine that. I, I have enough trouble with with the uh, the darker time of year here in Pennsylvania, where you have about eight hours of daylight and sixteen hours a night. You know, in late December, and uh, just can't wait for spring. So I can only imagine. Um, some very interesting connections out of the history there, and uh, I look forward to how you connect this in the Twilight Zone method that you that you allude to. Um, so back to, um, the current book that's out, um, how, how has it been received? Have you gotten any feedback on the farmer's market, uh, Romeo? Yeah, most people, um, the common thread seems to be how funny it is. Um, like I said, it's, I'm a, a comedy writer. So, um, you know, that, that to me is the most amazing thing that I can sit here and write a, write a joke. And five years later, somebody, you know, laughs at that joke. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, it's just kind of almost like magic in a way. But, yeah, people are people are liking it. Um, I got on my website, people are sending me pictures from different states. I'm up to about 13 different states, I think, of people holding up my book and sending me a picture. So um, people are digging it so far. Wow. Are they actually in a farmer's market when they take the picture, or is it just a picture of them somewhere reading it? Yeah, just somewhere reading it. Yeah, it's um, yeah, then I, I sell like a, a over the summer or something. I get a booth at a farmer's market and I'd sell um, copies to people. You know, at, at like the connection that it's a you know they're at a farmer's market shopping and you know here's a book that's set in farmers markets. Exactly. Yeah, that's actually a great idea to uh, get people interested and go right where the uh, right where the people are, where the potential readers are. I talk about that a lot yeah. with book marketing. So um, the humor end of it, though, 
it sounds like it's funny because it is somewhat autobiographical in that you have these ex- have had some experiences in farmers markets yourself. You uh, you know you're kind of giving the perspective of somebody uh, in that setting. So you know, are people connecting with that? Do you think is it is it is it that angle that the honesty and yeah. the humor? Yeah, because um, it, it, it you're a little bit of the inside scoop of farmers markets. Um, the most interesting part to me is when I talk to or the main character talks about customers' tells, which are just what customers do. And because you, you, you do the business long enough, um, you know if somebody's going to buy or not when they come up. Mm-hmm. But in our case, as a bakery, over 12 years, I found out that when anybody came up and looked at our stuff and they touched their stomach, they were never going to buy from us. Really? And um, yeah, because if you think about it, hands go to pain. So when they looked at our stuff, they were attracted to it, but um, it was causing some kind of psychological pain to them. So they touched their stomach. And in 12 years, nobody who ever touched their stomach bought from us. And we did, you know, tens and tens of thousands of transactions. Right. And, and likewise, when anybody uses the word yummy, in 12 years, not a single one person ever bought from us. You know, they'd, they'd walk off. So that's the kind of inside scoop you get in the, in huh. the book about farmers markets. Um, cause you know, the nuts and bolts of it aren't that interesting, but the extra little stuff like that, that you would never know kind of helps the book along. Well, as someone who studied business and economics and the psychology of marketing, I'm intrigued by this. So, Tell me the flip side of this now, a customer who did what you knew for sure were going to buy, what they whipped their 20 out, right? <laughs> or, uh, yeah, well, card. yeah, they'd reach, for the, they'd reach for their wallet. A lot of times if people are real quiet, because I used to sell real estate too. Mm-hmm. So I, that's how I knew somebody wanted to buy the house. If they got quiet and got a scared look on their face, um, you know, buying our bake goods, they didn't get scared. But they got quiet, you know, you, you, like intensely trying to make a decision. So... You know, you you learned. I mean, because you got to because you're standing there, you know, four hours, and you know, there's a lot of rejection. People don't buy your stuff, mm. so you got to um, kind of detach yourself in a way, a little bit. Well, Jim, it's been great talking to you. Uh, we're down here the last minute or two. So, uh, is there any? You have any events coming up you'd like the listeners to know about? Uh, I'm pretty quiet until um, the spring. Okay. I'll be heading to farmer's markets again and doing book shows and, and things like that. So which farmer's market? Down in Gettysburg area or around yeah, I, I, central PA? Ones I, I'm sorry. Ones I used to do, um, Hershey, um, Chambersburg. There's one called North Square. Uh, can't think any more off the top of my head. Uh, the marketplace in Gettysburg. Yeah. Just different ones. All right. Well, if you're out in a farmer's market, look for Jim and his book, Confessions of a Farmer's Market Romeo. Jim, it's been great having you. We'll have you back for the next book. Okay, sounds good. Thank you for listening to the Sunbury Press Book Show on the BookSpeak Network. Check out our website at www.sunburypress.com for our latest releases. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter to receive special offers and discounts. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.